Hey, sports fans, welcome to the Greg Medford Show. This is Greg coming at you from Atlanta, Georgia, Blade Show 2022. I've got Rob from Dojo Life here with me. For those of you who don't know, Rob uh, has made a bit of a career name for himself, I'd say, basically calling out bullshit from phony martial artists. That's about right. I mean, the mission statement really is to keep martial arts legitimate, but I call out fakes, frauds, phonies, con men, and pedophiles in the martial arts industry. And I've been doing so for over a decade, but I've been in the industry itself for over 25 years, so it's not coming from a place of just guessing. You know, yeah. I have experience in the industry. So. Yeah, it's funny, you know, and you didn't know, but I had spent like 30 years daily in the industry, and I was kind of like, ugh, got away from it. <laughs> got away from it. It was like, didn't look back. Um What's the uh, talk to me a little bit about kind of what you've seen in the martial arts world? I mean, in '93, UFC dropped in the scene and uh, kind of shook everything up. It's where I got to see all the pontificating tenth degree black belts get their you know their asses smacked <laughs> around by guys who've been training for two years. You know, yeah, for sure. Uh, and and then these you know giant fat guys with their thumbs hooked on their belts walking around pontificating about talking people and making them unconscious. Yeah, they call it the uh, black belt belly. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> damn which sandwiches. I've got now post black belt. <laughs> so, um, w what have you noticed? Have you seen any trends or what's happened in the last 10 years? You know, because I've been kind of out of it since I got into knives. Absolutely. Um, well, I think that since 1993, you bring up a really good point. That's a super important date to modern martial arts because yeah. I think what it did was it created this martial arts renaissance. Um, and so, what happened was um, all these people back in the day, up to that point, martial arts to them was a little strayed away from reality, I guess. It was like Kung Fu theater. Yeah, it wasn't really pressure tested as much as it is now, and it wasn't scrutinized as much as it is now, and it wasn't one of those things where people were like really second-guessing things. They just took things for face value. Right. But then when like, 90... Oh, like, oh, when you touch liver six and yeah. the conception <laughs> vessel four, they just go unconscious? <laughs> Love, All right, let me write that down. I love how much you know about George Dillman's bullshit. It's great. <laughs> but, yeah, like, a, but, you know, you saw kung fu movies, and then, like, uh, you had the action stars of the 80s, right? Yeah. And so the action stars of the 80s are dope. But it's not real, right. you know? And so when 1993 hit and all these people started seeing these martial artists like Hoist Gracie just completely wreck house doing things that they had never seen before, yeah. most people anyway, up to that point, yeah. they were just blown away by the fact that this dude, who, by the way, is not a little man. He was just against other people who were much bigger than him. Yeah. Um, th this dude was just wrecking house, and all he was doing was, to them, hugging them. And he wasn't one of the tough crazies. No, he was like, I think the the, the story is is that they put him in there because he wasn't the toughest one. <laughs> right. They were like, yeah, we'll like just They, they didn't the send Hickson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine yeah. if Hickson had showed up in the oh, absolutely wrecked house it would have been a much yeah. different they would have said oh, oh this isn't martial arts this is mean <laughs> why is he raping him yeah. uh, so when it comes to uh, the renaissance though what i think that it did was it made people have to second guess their art and made them have to pressure test it yeah. and so now ever since then you see like jujitsu evolving so you see a lot of guys doing like uh 10th planet jujitsu for instance right it's an evolution of jujitsu where you're seeing people trying new things pressure testing things seeing if they work under duress same thing with even sport karate like if you look at the ufc there are a lot of sport karate guys who have been doing amazing stephen thompson raymond daniels gsp is a kyokushin karate black belt yep. uh, michael venom page is almost 100 percent a sport karate guy and he's just completely destroying guys who are legends in the sport um, and so when you're looking at those kind of things, you're thinking, damn, back in the day, people would make fun of sport karate because it was a game of tag. But they had to evolve. They had to get better to yeah. 
compete with these guys at an MMA level, you know? What was great about the sport karate thing, quite frankly, is you could do it three nights a week. Like, For sure. You could do, I mean, I was not a big point karate guy. I was always kind of a catch fighter, but uh, point karate or light touch karate was always great because you could practice it in the middle age. I mean, you have a hard time finding MMA schools that have a lot of middle-aged guys because it fucking grinds you up and yeah, breaks you up. It hurts. <laughs> well, it more than hurts. It fucks you up. You know, Even the young guys are messed up. They got necks and shoulders and backs and knees just screwed up. That was the great thing about it. The problem was that it, it, it lacked a lot of crucibles. So, you know, uh, there were... There were a bunch of rogue guys like me who didn't wear stripes in their belt and just called bullshit all the time and drove everybody crazy. Mm. And I would go to seminars and be like, hey, can you do that on me? Oh, no, then okay. I'm like, well, do it halfway on me. I'll take a little hospital. <laughs> well, visit. if you could do it and kill me with it, you're good enough not to kill me with it? <laughs> like, I was like, hey, just touch those three spots while I kind of move at you half speed. Just <laughs> let me know if that works. So, uh, you know, I, I was like one of those guys. I trained with uh, Steve Labounty, Dennis Laycock, and uh, Huck Planis, who was mm -hmm. one of Ed Parker's guys. And uh, I was always one of those guys like, hey, can you do that? Show me, do that. Let me see you do that. Yeah, for sure. And it drove people crazy. Uh, and uh, when the martial arts world kind of, it, I, there was two things that happened in 93. Either people looked in the mirror and made their martial arts better. And mm -hmm. I always had like adult martial arts school, so I didn't have to do the kid thing. Yeah. Either it got better or it got more mystical. For sure. I could see that. Because a lot of guys couldn't hang in the reality of does it work. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a phenomenon that a lot of people have, um, co cognitive dissonance, where you believe something so strongly right. and then someone proves to you that you're wrong. You were just wrong. There is definitive proof. So you have to make that decision at that crossroads of, well, do I continue to believe the bullshit and just feel good? Because it's easier. My friends, my family, my, uh, my mentors, my social circles, my hobby, all relies on me continuing to believe the bullshit. Or, in some cases, do I rip up something I believed in for decades and go against the grain and change my life completely? It's the whole matrix red pill, blue pill kind it's of thing. It's the whole right? of human nature. Yeah. Whole, so it's all it's hard. It's yeah, hard. it's hard to evolve you know? because a lot of times it means you have to let go of things you thought were true. I had trained with this guy for years, and there's this form in Kung Fu called Tiger and Crane. And it was kind of this mythical form because it's gigantic. It's a huge form. It's the entire system in one form or mm. kata like Japanese it's like a 35 minute kata yeah I think it was 18 or 20 minutes all told. <laughs> I was being sarcastic no, okay crazy. wow okay well almost nobody knew the damn thing because it was huge but it was like this mythical form that had a lot of uh, old Chinese Kempo movements in it and I met this guy and he knew the whole form mm. and uh, I trained with him to learn the form <laughs> and then the guy started talking about aliens <laughs> and, and how it, it was kind of pre-cell phone, so yeah. he knew how to uh, uh, connect with people so that they would call him so he didn't have phone bills and stuff. And I was always like, okay, what the fuck just happened, man? <laughs> we were learning this, you know, kind of like arcane Chinese martial art form, and yeah. all of a sudden it went to aliens and fucking telephone calls. And I was like, oh, my God. So um, what's the craziest thing you've seen in the last few years? I know you mentioned George Dillman, but there was Dillman and Moneymaker well, and all those guys who were doing the pressure point knockout bullshit i think I've, I've seen a lot of crazy things so i got stories upon stories but i'll just try to give you a couple to keep it concise but i, I think one of the craziest things i've seen is not mystical so there's a guy named edon abelnick i don't know if anybody's ever heard of this man but edon abelnick runs a thing called the colossus system and it is wait, wait where is this uh this is in south africa i do believe 
Um, so, you, all right, so you just saw it. You haven't been there or seen it or anything. No, not in person. Okay, but, like, I've had very extensive interaction with this man. Okay. He's threatened to sue me multiple times, but he can't, so he can bite my ass. Um, but anyway, when it comes down to his particular system, it is just Krav Maga. Because that's all he's ever learned, and then he started his own system and called it something different and said it was better than Krav Maga, but it's just Krav Maga. It sounds like coming to America where they had McDowell's. Yeah. <laughs> it's the McDowell's of Krav Maga. That's amazing. Yeah, he started, I'm telling you, he's like the equivalent of the dude who's like trying to move up after the lettuce. You know, one day he'll flip a burger. Um, but when it comes down to it, so he started the system, and then he started doing, like, what, the first thing that came to my attention was the type of abusive training that he was doing, which wasn't really conducive to, to being better. It was just kind of indoctrination into abuse. So that was, that's what originally caught my eye. So I started digging into this dude and find out. So he was doing gun disarms with live ammunition on a oh, gun range. Okay. Super smart. All right. Well, he shoots a student. Go figure. What could have possibly gone wrong doing gun disarms with live ammunition? So he shoots a student. He admits that he shot a student. So weird. And he admits that it was his negligence. No duh. Like, you did, like, that's dumb. Right, wasn't anybody but, else's. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is that whenever he did that, his followers were like, that's okay. We understand. Keeping Accidents it real. Like, yeah. Keeping yeah, it real. It's, it's the realistic training. This is hardcore. It's the so, most realistic yeah. ever. Ever. Yeah, because you got fucking shot. <laughs> you got shot training? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're hardcore. Shoot me. Um, but then after that, okay, well, that I called him out on that. And he admits to this. Then after that, I found out that he's setting up all these seminars around the world. Three that I know of for a fact that I can prove. Uh, that he asks these people to pay in full, very hefty fee, for like a several-day seminar. He doesn't show up. And then when people are like, hey, I kind of want my refund. He was like, oh, I'm not going to give you a refund. Well, where I come from, I could be incorrect here, but that constitutes as fraud. You said you were going to provide a service or a product. You accepted money for that service or product and then didn't provide it. That's fraud. His students are still like, oh, that's okay. That's not that big of a deal. That's because they train with live ammo. Yeah. They're, they're clearly sharp. <laughs> so then his students, like, then they're like, well, he's never done the gun disarm thing with live ammunition after that day. And I was like, okay. So I start researching, clearly time-stamped and labeled that he has done this after that day. Then I get contacted by the range manager at in South Africa that uh, apparently when that video went viral of him doing the gun disarm live, not the one that he shot someone, but just doing it. Um, apparently the range manager finds out and he's like, what the fuck? You can't do that. It's completely illegal. Like, especially in South Africa, they have very strict laws against right, that. Right. So he winds up filing a police report. When he files a police report, of course, nothing happens because their police suck over there. But he had a student walk in to like the lobby of the range with a loaded AR loaded in the lobby of the range. Like that's a big old no, no, you know, everybody in the, who works there is packing. Like they're not, not strapped. You know, because it's a lobby of a well, gun What did range. the student go there for? Uh, the student went on his own. Oh, so, okay. But that's like the cult mentality. So they're just a bunch of gomers. Oh, yeah, but I mean, you would think, okay, well, maybe he's got like a school or maybe he's got it. He's got schools all over the world. And these people were so mad about what I, the video I released with all this information. By the way, every piece of that information he has admitted to. And all I did was release it to the public. And they came at me in droves and cults. Like, it's a cult. It's an absolute cult. Yeah, that's one of the things that turned me off the martial arts was all the phony rank bullshit, the uh, hierarchy that was phony, like, oh, I paid my dues. I'm like, you haven't fucking paid your dues in about 800 pounds of pasta. You're <laughs> bullshit. 
Uh, and, sandwiches and, are good though. And the weird, uh, the weird hierarchy and little weird made-up traditions and stuff. They're all like trying to be Marine Corps, and I'm like, just stop it. Absolutely, and yeah. then, you know, like that's a big thing, especially in India, where they'll dress up as if they're straight up out of the military, but they've never served, or they did like a mandatory term, depending on where they are in the world, because you know some places require it. But you know, I have another story about we filmed the documentary on this. And so right now it got picked up uh, by one of the biggest talent agencies in the world. And they're shopping it right now for us, which is dope. Uh, so you guys will be able to see the documentary here soon. What's it called? McDojo Life. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I know I'm not very creative. Uh, <laughs> but we, um, we actually brought in a guy to teach us a seminar. And we knew he was one of those. He's actually a descendant of George Dillman. So it's like Dillman. Then there was a guy named Evan Pantazzi. And then this is one of his students. And so they believe in the pressure point, death touch stuff, the no touch knockout stuff. They believe it. They're they're in. Oh yeah. Um, so we wind up bringing them in, and I filled the classroom full of like ten or fifteen different martial artists from different martial arts backgrounds. Oh my God, this is awesome. Yeah, but we, to him, he didn't think any of them trained. So I was like, all right, this will be an interesting social experiment. Let's see what he does. Like, because we can get a real bird's eye view of what he's doing now. Right. Because he's just teaching us a seminar. Be awesome if he just started fucking dropping dudes with, like, laser hands. Well, uh, that, that would have been amazing. It did, <laughs> like, it, oh, it, shit. It, it didn't happen. No, But uh, the not. documentary would have changed so quickly. <laughs> but it would have been awesome still. I'd be like, run. Everyone, get out. Like, oh, God. We got set me. up this documentary to, to <laughs> punk this guy, and turns out he can levitate. Uh, uh, so weird. We got it on film. Well. We were wrong. <laughs> All right, scrap the other footage. we got to go back. Um, but So we have this guy come in, and he was doing a two-hour seminar. And for the first hour, I told everyone there, they got there ahead of time, hey, when this guy comes in for the first hour, just Play go along. with it. Yeah. Just go with it. Whatever he does, whatever he says, oh just pretend God. it works. Oh so God. for the first hour, all he taught us was revivals of if the pressure points hurt you too badly. And all of it was pseudoscience nonsense. It was like, sit you up, cross your legs, slap your back to make sure you're revived. And, you know, like that kind of nonsense. So then I told them for the second hour, be yourself. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to guide you because this is just an experiment. Be yourself. If you could be in a room with a fraud and talk to him right now, what would you say? The guys must have felt like his room was just collapsing in on himself. For the first hour, he was bone dry. We all were because we weren't really working hard at all. Um, he was bone dry. For that second hour, hands start raising up, and he is profusely sweating out of nowhere, just like nervous. And these are all basic self-defense questions. Nothing was a hardball. Right. Everything right. was just these soft pitches, questions, and he just couldn't take it. But he kept getting asked so many questions that he was like, all right, guys, I already had a curriculum. Let's just open up the floor to technique. What technique would you like to see? Okay, all yeah. right. And somebody was like, oh, well, what about a knife defense technique? And this dude's face lit up. He was so happy. He was like, okay. And he goes over to his bag, and he gets his, like, rubber training knife. Yeah. And he hands it. And one of the things of the experiment was we wanted somebody there who had never trained. Just, like, a legitimately had never trained, which happened to be one of our camera dudes. We just pulled him out from a camera one day, and we were like, all right, you're just going to take this class. And so he happened to hand the knife to that guy. We didn't rig it. He just happened to do it. And so the only person who's never trained a day in his life gets handed this knife. Fantastic. So then he asks the crowd, he goes, all right, well, what type of attack are we talking about with the knife? And someone was like, the upper prison shank, right? And so he goes, okay, and he asks the camera guy to do it. So he starts trying to do this, like, cross his arms downward X block, oh, where he's boy. trying yeah, to yeah. get the back of his knuckles to hit the guy's arm, right. I guess to hit a pressure point to release the knife. Oh, yeah. He got stabbed 17 times during that demonstration, which was hilarious to me. So one of our guys in the audience, now no longer pretending they don't know anything, says, well, wouldn't this work better? Goes up and does like a two-on-one grip on the guy's arm. 
guy tries to stab him and can't. Clearly the better option. But the guy who was leading the class goes, no, 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 that's, that's ridiculous. I don't want to do that. And the guy's like, why? And in my head, I'm like, yeah, why? He didn't get stabbed. You got stabbed. It seems like a clear-cut case if you're a fucking moron. You can't knock him out. <laughs> so he goes, well, the reason I don't want to, to just hold on to it, he goes, where do you go from there? And in my head, I'm like, not get stabbed. That's exactly where I wanted to be. But then he goes, what I want to do is I want to get close so I can end the fight. So he literally right then just bum rushes our camera dude who had the knife. And the camera guy's, like, never trained before, so he freaks out, and he gets grabbed. Well, when the guy grabs him in, like, this body lock, he doesn't actually grab the knife arm. So he starts monologuing toward, yeah, he starts monologuing towards the audience. As you can clearly see, I have complete control of the assailant, and blah, blah, blah. Our camera guy was so smart in this moment. He's pretending to stab him, so he never touches him. So, so the he guy, doesn't know that he doesn't he's know getting, he's getting stabbed, stabbed in the back or whatever. <laughs> yes. and we, we clocked it. He got stabbed 48 times during that monologue. And so... Somebody in the, in the audience, being sarcastic, goes, what happens if you get stabbed in the back? <laughs> like, and then so the guy's honest-to-God answer, and this is where it goes from funny to scary. I think that's like the big dynamic of my page and what I do, right. is it's really funny until you really think about like the, the consequences. So someone said, what happens if you get stabbed in the back? And he goes, his honest answer to a group of people he thought had never trained that had paid him for a seminar was, well, if you don't see the blood, it's not that bad. That was his honest answer. So it went from like, this is hilarious, this guy's a moron, to oh my god, this guy's actually getting paid to teach people this shit? Yeah, dangerous. Yeah, it's absolutely well, the dangerous. The worst part is there's people that are like, have had something real happen in their life, and they're going in to try and get some way to get confidence and get back to their life. You know I mean? I dealt with that for years when I had Absolutely. So domestic violence survivors yep. or... Yep. Um, People Something happened at work or realtors or, you know... Physical uh, disabilities. Like, I work with a guy who had cerebral palsy. And, uh, you know, that guy, to be honest and fair, would never be able to defend himself as well as an able-bodied person. Right. And he didn't train martial arts because he wanted to learn self-defense. He trained martial arts because he wanted to walk better. That was it. He knew that there was a matted space. He knew that it was a part of, like, helping him move and helping him with, like, recovery and helping him, like, develop muscles and things like that that he might not normally use. And he even told me um, he used to line up with us on the mat, and we'd all bow in when the class started. And he would fall every time. Because um, he had canes um, that he couldn't use on the mat. Yep. Um, and he'd fall every time. And one day I walked over and I was like, hey, man, like you don't have to stand up when we start. You can start on your knees. It's okay. He goes, no. He goes, my whole purpose is by the time I get my blue belt, because he really researched it and knew it take him about a year and a half, two years, something like that. So he was like, by the time I get my blue belt, I want to walk up, accept it, and walk back. He goes, that's as far as I want to be able to walk. And, he, and sure as shit, like, it was very like emotional for me because that dude eventually down the road, did receive his blue belt. He did walk up, did walk back. And the moment he walked back to the line, he collapsed. And to me, I was like, I, I cried, man. I was oh, yeah. like, that's a touching moment. Like oh, that yeah. dude did something that a lot of people, I think, in martial arts take for granted. Right. Everybody else wants to be this badass. And that's the only reason you he train. just want to walk. Yeah, I just want to fucking fight. And this guy just wanted to walk. Not even walk, but walk from here to that table and back. Right. That was it. And he did. That's right. like powerful shit. Yeah. Well... Interesting. Um, have you had any? Um, what's the biggest meltdown you've had when you've called the called bullshit? Can you have one in mind that in particular? Kind I of do. I do. It was one of my first death threats. So, um, so <laughs> my one of my first major death threats um, that really freaked me out, to be honest, at the time. But now I look back, and it's just a great story. Um, so I was in London. I got hired to go to London to teach a seminar. And while I was out there, what I was, what, what 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 kind of seminar? It was a nunchuck seminar. So it's like. Taekwondo school hired me out. They saw that I did nunchucks on online. 
they liked it and they were like, would you come do it? And I was like, hell yeah, I'll go to London. <laughs> so they hired me out. Okay. I go out there for two weeks because the flight there is brutal. So I'm like, there's no way I'm flying there and back. Right. So I go to London, never been enjoying myself. And then they say, hey, we have a, a tournament for our people at the end of the, the week here. Would you be willing to come? And it was like the weekend before I leave. So I was like, sure, of course. I got nothing else to do other than go to pubs, which, by the way, awesome uh, I found out. I found out that London Bridge is not the big-ass bridge you see on postcards. It's this little tiny bridge outside of a pub that I saw a dude literally pee on while I was out there. So, <laughs> um, stumbling out of a pub, like, late at night. I was like, oh, the little plaque said London Bridge, and a dude's peeing on it. I was like, huh, that's London Bridge. Huh. <laughs> you know? But So I go to this tournament, and I'm sitting down, and it's this huge YMCA out there. I mean, it's a massive YMCA, and it's this big gymnasium. And there are thousands of people in there. It's packed. And I was like, damn, this is like kind of legit tournament. It's on. It's yeah. on. Yeah. So I'm sitting down, and I'd never been to a Taekwondo-specific tournament. So it was really interesting to see that it's just like every other tournament. You hurry up and wait for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> right. So I'm sitting down, and I'm starting to answer my, uh, my DMs on my Instagram. And someone sent me a message from a private profile that had just been made. Like, you know, the no followers, no posts, no one followed them, no profile picture, just a fresh nothing page, like a troll page. And all they wrote me was what I was wearing. That was it. And I was like, shit. <laughs> so obviously I'm not going to be able to find this person in this crowd. And so I wrote him. And sometimes it's weird. I guess when people recognize you, they feel standoffish at first to talk to you. Yep. Um, and so I was like, yo, you can just come over and talk to me. Like we can come chit chat. Cause I didn't know what the person's intentions was. I just thought that was yeah. creepy as shit. I get this shit all the time. Oh yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. So I'm sitting there and then the guy starts writing me about an issue that I had had years ago. So when I first started, I started off on Facebook and one of the first like real like exposés I did was about a pedophile who had still run a martial arts studio and he had kind of changed his name and changed his appearance. But someone sent me that information and I found out, oh my God, this guy's a convicted pedophile and he's still running school. So I did a story about it. People on my page start going to his page, one star reviews and uh, adding the link when they can of his like uh, police report or whatever the report about him. And then all of a sudden, his school just disappears. And I was like, one for the good guys, right? Shouldn't be around kids if you've molested kids. I don't know. Sure. And then so here we go. Fast forward a couple years from that moment, someone sent me another message. They go, yo, isn't this the dude that you had called out years ago for being a pedophile in the United States? He's up this again. dude had left and went to London, somehow, again, changed his name, changed his appearance, but somehow opened up another school over there. I don't know how he did this, right? And so I was like, Oh my God! Tell, me, he tell me he's the guy DMing you. No, I don't know. So, <laughs> so then I wind up like putting that on blast. That school disappears off the internet. Can't find it anymore. I'm going one more for the good guys, right? At least he's not able to advertise. At least he's not able to help get more leads, right? Even if his school didn't shut down, but apparently it did. The guy who was texting me from you know Instagram, it seemed from what I was gathering that he was a student of his. Or it was him pretending to be a student of his, sure. which it could have been. Sure. So then he's writing, oh, my God, you lied about that dude. He was a good man. So And that went on for oh, a while. Yeah. And I was like, look, I showed proof. I have never been sued in this job. And all I do is talk shit about people. Why haven't I been sued? Because I always provide proof. I always do. No slander, no libel, no defamation ever. Because I always have proof of what I say. And so this guy was writing me, and he was pissed, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the message, he goes, when you leave here, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Now, granted, we're in London. Could he have a gun? <laughs> Not likely, right? But I do know people who have been held up at gunpoint in London, so it is possible to have a gun. Only absolute criminals yeah. have guns in London. Yeah, it is. 
<laughs> very, very difficult to get a gun in London. But just like anywhere else, criminals don't obey the law. <laughs> so you can get one. Yeah. And so I was like freaked out a little bit. And I was like, well, the odds are he probably doesn't have one. But if he's that serious, maybe he could hit me with his car. Maybe he could stab me. It could be right, anything, right. right? So I walked down. There was two off-duty police officers there helping out with the tournament. And I was like, hey, guys, I showed them the message. They were like, there's nothing we can really do. They go, but we can walk you to your car whenever we're done. I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> so sure. they did. And ever since that moment, like in my backpack, I always have like a bulletproof vest sleeve. Um, you know, I always make sure that I'm a little more cautious about giving out too much information and stuff like that. Um, you know, cause like I tell people like right now I'm like, I'm at blade show, right? I don't mind that cause it's just me. But like, if it would affect people that I know and things like that, I'm not down with that. Like, the thing is these guys are cowards, right? Absolutely. From the get-go. Cause if they were the real thing, they'd be the real thing. They're phonies already. Yeah. They, yeah. They, if they were about that life, they'd just be about that life. Yeah. And I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with talking with absolutely anyone I've ever called up. I go live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on my Instagram, and I let anyone join to talk to me. And you know what's funny? I've been calling out these frauds for 10 years, which is crazy as fuck, because that means I'm getting much older than I'd like to be. But I've been calling them out for 10 years. And out of that 10 years, every day, I've posted a new fraud. And that means 10 times 365 is a lot of fucking frauds. Yeah. And none of them, none of them have joined live. Actually, one guy. Um, one guy, I do scratch that, have joined live to actually defend themselves or just make a statement. Just yeah. one guy did. Um, I know just out in Phoenix, you know, I kind of knew everybody in that scene because I was there for 30 years doing martial arts. And there was all kinds of shenanigans that had gone on with martial arts. You know, that was where we first karate school in the United States. We'd have the dojo wars there back in the 60s where guys blew up each other's, uh, there was a couple of buildings blown up. Mm. I mean, it was kind of like weird. Yeah, like I remember the Count Dante story. Some dude got stabbed with a sword. And, you know, <laughs> dojo storms back in the day were like a real gang mentality. Like, yeah. you, oh, your style is not my style. We must fight. But like Americanized. Yeah. It's like, oh, you, we must fight. Bam. Like, you didn't need kung fu for that. Yeah. You just shot me. <laughs> you remember in the uh, opening scene of Enter the Dragon, they show those guys, uh, black, a bunch of black guys in a karate dojo. Yeah, man, elephant. old school, yeah. So that was BKF. Those are real dudes. Uh. And uh, that was a school that you did not want to go chuck a knuckle in. You'd get your face torn off. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. a rough crowd. Old school, like 1970s, 1980s schools were very rough. Oh, yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. They were They were a cauldron. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so uh, you got anybody? How do you, how do you find all these folks? Well, martial arts is actually it makes my job easier because, like every other martial art, there's a lineage, and so once you start looking at the lineage, it's very easy to find where it branches off from. So, like for instance, a lot of people are like if they got a black belt under Hoist Gracie, they say I'm a Hoist Gracie black belt, right? And so that pride is in every martial art. People say, I have a black belt under Fumio right. Demora. They're trying to legitimize themselves with their lineage. Absolutely. So it allows you to track them. Yeah, but easily, actually. Right. And, of course, like you, when you find the top, you start working your way down the branches. You know, you have the top, and you have top students who eventually make their own names. And then under them, you have students, yeah. and it keeps going. And it just it's kind of crazy to think that that's just one art. So that could branch off into hundreds, thousands right. of different people. But there are multiple arts that do this like it's insane the one uh, i i was watching a couple this morning some clips and i saw it, i think it was a russian dude with like little branches oh my god it's so good defending himself yeah. with the branches <laughs> just knocking people back with branches He's just touching them with leaves and yeah. they're like falling which reminds me one. of the chinese stuff i'm seeing now mm. and any of that kind of weird stuff where 
they're just going like this in the air and the students are redirecting and falling on the ground and I'm cracking yeah. up um, and then uh, I saw something about a um, La Tourette uh, Kempo yeah. guy yeah um, La Tourette is he's a dude that believes that he could and he got mad at me uh, he, he wrote you want to read a you want to hear a statement that he wrote about me this is John La Tourette who's yes, a Kempo jo- guy Dr. John La Tourette they love being doctors. I mean, you got to have a doctor and then a whole bunch of letters after your name, you know, PhD. But they all like being professor. I like that one too. Yeah. Um, he wrote a statement about me the other day, and I thought it was the greatest thing ever because I love these things. These death threats all like get me giddy because I'm like, oh, I'm doing my job. Um, so he wrote this. He said, "Just curious, folks, who is this piece of shit, <laughs> this piece of human garbage who calls himself McDojo Life?" Email me privately on Messenger if you know about him. In my head, first of all, this guy believes that he can burst clouds with his mind. He really thinks that he can, like, manipulate clouds with his chi or whatever, right? And he, he also was a doctor. So if you're a doctor and you have these mystical powers, you don't know about Google, motherfucker? Like, you had to have somebody email you about me? Like, just type it into the Internet. Right, right. <laughs> it's not hard to find. Right. <laughs> I thought it was great. I've met a bunch of these guys, especially <laughs> from the Kempo lineage, and I always kind of rolled my eyes. It drove me a little bit crazy. And when MMA kind of hit the scene, they started doing stuff that I'd been doing for a long time, which is kind of pushing everybody and challenging them. Yeah. Well, very cool. Um, uh do you, does there, do, you, do you tell people what part of the country you're from, or does it matter? Yeah, I'm from Florida. Yeah? Yeah, for sure. All right, I, cool. I love it there, man. Florida's dope. How long have you been down in Florida? My whole life. Oh, yeah? And, yeah, I was born and raised in Florida, back and forth, uh, in Ocala and uh, up to North Florida. And I absolutely love it. Like I, And the cool thing is, it's like I get to travel a lot now because of my job. And I've been all over the world now, luckily. I'm very fortunate and grateful for that. Um, and everybody who's helped make that happen, I appreciate all of you and your support. But because of that, I've been able to see a lot of the, the rest of the country. And it's very interesting how people have this weird, askewed view of what Florida really is, who don't ever live there and have never visited. <laughs> Florida's dope. <laughs> like, I love Florida. <laughs> talk, talk to me uh, a little bit about what you're doing here at Blade Show. What, what, are, you, what are you searching for here? Well, this is my first time, so I'm just kind of getting the lay of the land. Um, I went to SHOT Show uh, a couple years back before COVID, and I absolutely loved it. It was very overwhelming because I had never been there before. It's just massive. Like, I could, it's almost, actually, I think it is impossible to go and talk to everyone there. And it's just, and the parties that go on afterwards are like these massive parties. I mean, it's just personal hobby, or are you uh, searching for stuff to peel peel uh, back uh, layers of the onion well, on? Well, when I went there, it kind of gave me this idea about like this, I wouldn't say subculture, but culture of firearms, which crosses over into self-defense. Yeah. And then people were like, yo, have you ever been to Blade Show? And I was like, well, I'd never heard of it until somebody asked me. And then so I came here to kind of see what it was like. And I'm seeing a lot of crossover here. You know, a lot of people are getting their EDCs, like, you know, their everyday carry uh, knives and stuff like that. I saw a couple booths out here that are specifically for martial arts training weapons. And so there's a lot of crossover here. So I'm just trying to figure out, like, if I can know more about any of the self-defense industry, gun, knife, yep. uh, jiu-jitsu, whatever it may be, then it makes me do my job better. So I'm basically here just kind of learning. Yeah. I'm kind of figuring out what's good, what's not, who is the people who were in charge, who were not. And it, it just I think it just helps me do my job better if I educate myself. I get it. Um, I found, uh, and I don't know if you found this too, uh, the knife stuff in the martial arts world to be the craziest that I encountered. 
the gun stuff a little bit, but the knife stuff in particular, mm. because uh, you almost never meet anyone, anybody except for maybe Bobby, Bobby Tabawada or a couple of Filipino or Indonesian guys who've actually been in a real knife fight. Yeah, for more sure. More than just once. And guys are crazy about knife fighting and knife techniques and knife drills and how to survive in a knife fight and all mm. these theories and... I, I, I find it to be the most bizarre niche of Absolutely. the uh, martial Well, arts Indonesia world. in general, like where you have like Salat and things like that, is already really odd. But what happens is you wind up getting these people who are gurus who just want to feel good about themselves and manipulate people into bullshit. Like some of the best knife and stick stuff I've seen is so simple. You could literally learn it in like a day or two, yeah. and then everything else is just repetition. Like a guy named Paul Vunak, he did like a, he used to he did like work with the SEAL teams. Yeah. When he went out there, like. His course for that kind of stuff is super simple. Yeah. It's not hard. It's not complicated. There are drills in there, but a lot of it's really basic understanding of just like distance yeah, and timing. Cool stuff. Um, or uh, the Dog Brothers. The Dog Brothers stuff is absolutely the most realistic stuff you can get with knife and stick. They do this thing called the gathering, and they even wrote the UFC back in the day to try to see if they can get like a UFC type with weapons they wanted like a ufc event with weapons and so of course the ufc was like no it's ridiculous <laughs> but like they do this they'll put on these modified fencing helmets and these hockey gloves and if you agree whatever blunt object you want to fight another person with and you both agree to it you can just have at it and if you go look these are incredible like pressure testing moments of these really high level martial artists with sticks going after it with sticks and we're talking like takedowns are allowed knees are allowed elbows are allowed grappling is allowed and it's just like this full contact stick fighting stuff but it's absolutely the most realistic stuff i've ever seen because they pressure test it and what's it called dog brothers dog brothers oh, okay. it is incredible they do this thing called the gathering and if you really want to like just sit down and watch fighting watch like go to youtube typing dog brothers gathering and they do it like every year and the opening uh, statement is always my favorite statement is the rule, the one rule here is we don't sue anybody for any reason whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and uh, you know, one of the things I remember when I was young and uh, started doing martial arts and after I'd been in it for years and years and years, one of my favorite things ever was watching the Kyokushin or the Shido Khan or any of those. Have you Kyokushin's that? brutal. Yeah. yeah. It's a really, like you're not allowed to punch the face. Like of the traditional martial arts that are very kind of closed in their 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 lexicon is very closed off and it's not like i'm gonna say it's not it's technique is not reality based mm. but the training is real very very real like yeah. um the conditioning. but I, i'd say it's not reality best because there's you know the hands not to the head yeah but i know why they don't do it but yeah. it trains you a wrong way of fighting in my opinion yeah. but fucking tough absolutely brutal and then you know like you know, some of the stories of Masoyama, uh, like oh, the founder yeah. of Kyokushin, like yeah. some of them are realistic and some of them are not. Um, you know, like the whole like bull, like there's a story where he like fought a bull and he like chopped the horn off the bull and stuff like that. It's like, he didn't do that. But he did like this 200, uh, 100 man kumite, which, you know, it's a big, a big deal. deal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the rules of that are very brutal. Like you have to make it not only through, but you can't get dropped. Like, you can't quit. Like, you're going to go, like, you're probably not going to fight 100 dudes, but you're going to fight 100 rounds with people who are fresh. So if you fight the first guy and there's 20 other dudes you have to fight, you might hey, see the guy the again. Hey, 10th dude, most guys are ragged. It's very hard. Like, uh, I, I think that they said that the only people who have completed, like, I think they have a 300-man kumite, but I guess the 100-man kumite is, like, the standard. Mm -hmm. And so there's, like, only a few people who have ever really completed yep. it. It's... A, a small list. Do you know the guy in Arizona who did it? Was he the guy who did the documentary about it? 
Uh, is he a Japanese guy? No, I he's a white documentary. dude. No, there's a Japanese guy in uh, in Phoenix who was trained by Masuyama, who had done the 100-man 100, 100 fight. It's brutal. Yeah, Absolutely brutal. Yeah, he was a badass. I did class with him a few times. Fun guy. Uh, yeah, Really nice. He used to sleep in the corner back of his dojo on the floor. Uh, yeah, like, he must have really liked it or he was broke. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah it was a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I love martial arts. I'm going to live here. Like, bitch, you just don't have a job. <laughs> yep, Masuyama is one of those legendary modern figures, you know. I mean, they've got... They've got video of him punching out bulls and stuff like that. Yeah, he, he they was, have videos of him wrestling the bull and stuff. Yeah, he was um, a beast. He was an absolute animal. And it's, like, cool to see, like, I think a lot of people give traditional martial arts a bad rap because of their version of what traditional is. What they forget is some of the most traditional martial arts. Like, I consider wrestling a martial art. Sure. And wrestling has been around forever. Forever. And then boxing, I consider a martial art. And it's been around forever. And people are like, well, what do you think about traditional martial arts? I'm like, which one? There are over 2,000 different versions of karate. Right. Which one are we talking about? Right. Like if we're talking about, um, let's say, like a traditional Okinawan show in Ru, that's going to be a lot different than if you're looking at something like Kyokushin karate. Yeah. They're much different arts. You know, just because you call it karate doesn't mean that there's just karate. You know, uh, it's funny. You mentioned wrestling. One of the toughest guys uh, I've ever been around um, was um, Gene LaBelle. Oh, absolutely. And I don't, Legend. I, I'm sure Gene's not still alive. He was old. I boy. think he is. Oh, you're kidding me. I think really? Gene LaBelle's still alive. Yeah, and, I got to look that up because I'm pretty sure he's still alive. He's doing. He's been doing acting forever. Cause and you guys work. will know him. I mean, he was the ring guy in Ra Raging Bull. Uh, he was much younger then. He did the first uh, martial arts uh caption on uh, the Lucio Ball show. He's still alive. He's 89 years old. Is he 89? 89 yeah. years old. And he did uh, he did one of the first MMA matches back in the day, like televised. And he, he was thing was catch fighting. One yeah. of my favorite things, Gene, Gene was great. They called him Judo Gene LaBelle. He had red hair and he always used to wear a pink gi. Yeah. And he'd go up to train and be like, alright, somebody come up here. I need a volunteer. And he would come up and I remember standing next to him and he would somebody would walk up and he would just choke him out mm -hmm. unconscious. And then he would drop them and walk away. Like, they would fall down on the mat. And I was always like, oh, my God. Yeah, he used to give out, like, I don't remember if they were stickers or something like that or a patch. But, like, I've been choked by Judo Gene or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, and what's really great is, like, how kind of funny he is. Because, like, if you ever watch him on, like, some of his, like, uh, acting roles. Like, he was on Reno 911 as, like, a reoccurring character that kept getting arrested and stuff. Yeah. He's been in, like, so many films because I know him, I see him, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's Gene again. Yeah, it's always cool to see him in, like, a non-speaking role in, like, a major movie. You just see him in the background, you're like, ah! Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's that's like, funny. you kind of feel like you're in the know. You uh, know? We've, uh, we've banged around in a bunch of the same people. That's cool. Well, listen, fun having you in. Um, where can people find you out there on, uh, uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot a lot of people out there who know you, but not maybe in my little circle. Yeah, so where for can sure. they find you? Uh, you can check out my stuff. It's McDojo Life on Instagram. Uh, pretty much every social media, it's McDojo Life, except for Reddit, because some douchebag stole that name before I got there and took my name. So it's the McDojo Life on it on Reddit. Don't go to the other guy's page. But when it comes down to like uh, the stuff that I do online, if you really want to look into martial arts, really look into the cults, like. The who, what, why, when, and where of these yep. people that I post on Instagram, you got to check out our YouTube channel because that's where I do complete like exposés. If you want to know who they are, where they are, where they train, what they believe, it's all on there. Who's if you've done all this family tree study? Who's the most cultish? Who's the most full of it? Like, have you noticed any? Is there one place or one style or one lineage that's uh, like most guilty? 
I would say a style is probably Kyoshu Jitsu, K-Y-U-S-H-O, and that's the Dillman thing, the pressure points and the no-touch knockout stuff. Though They have, like, I think they were able to get, like, real momentum back in the day to, yeah. like, really put their stuff out around the world, and some people still believe it, um, you know, but there's all kinds of different arts that are out there, um, and it just depends on your, your flavor of crazy, yeah. you know, like a guy like Ashita Kim. Uh, you know, that dude says on camera that he believes he could dodge bullets. You know, that's pretty crazy because you can't, um, you know, or a guy like uh, Dale Brown in Detroit, you know, who who's teaching just utter nonsense self-defense stuff. And the thing is, is like people he's, he's so out there that people don't even know if he's being serious because right. of how bad it is. But Bizarre. he is, you know, and Bizarre. so it just depends on your flavor of crazy. But, you know, they never stop. Let me ask you one other question. Um, have I have uh, had this sense that on social media instagram in particular and facebook a great deal of the accounts are phony uh and i actually left social media the only thing i'm on now is itunes uh spotify mm. rumble and youtube what are you are you sensing um uh, and, and you know obviously with elon musk making a run at twitter you know we see him maybe calling him out as high as 40 percent of all accounts fake what are you seeing out there? Have you gotten any sense of that since you're kind of heavily in social media? Well, yeah, like you, you get a lot of like fraudulent accounts, mostly from like, and I, just my experience personally, but most of them seem to be from the Middle East. Um, people who are trying to run scams, kind of like the old school uh, scams of like the the prince in Africa who's trying to sell you a million or give you a million dollars because he inherited it and he's got to give it to you. Um, right. You know, these scams have been around forever. They're just changing. The scams that I hate personally, because I get these a lot, are these people from like Pakistan and they say they're from Pakistan and it's always like the same letter. Um, Dear Madam Sir. And then they say like, we'd like to sell you these, these clothings. Like, let us know what you want. And it's like all clothes that they don't make. You know, it's like, you don't make Venom. <laughs> like, you don't make Nike. Like, you're right. trying to, I'm not dumb. You know, who yeah. falls for this? But I, there are definitely a lot of fake accounts out there. But I think that even worse than the fake accounts are just how people treat each other online. Because I think a lot of people are using it as therapy. And it's not really that way. Like, people are, are using social media as a way to get the Venom off their chest because they're too much of a bitch in real life to actually say it to people's face. Right. So they feel they have to hide behind these accounts that they make so that way they can say all the things that are really going on in their head without having any repercussions. Yeah, those I get I get darts all over me from those ding-dongs. Yeah, it's like, I, and I tell them all the time, like, you know where to find me. I go live all the time, join me live, and they just don't do it. And even then, what's crazy to me is I get that you have to get whatever it is off your chest i get it like we all have to get shit off our chest we all have different ways of dealing with our stress we all have different ways of dealing with pressure but to go online and to be a coward and you think that that's going to be the thing that's going to make you better it's not it's just hurting you worse you know it's making you more toxic and then what i feel bad for is kids are growing up in a social media age i didn't you know social media wasn't a fucking thing like aol was barely a thing when i was growing up yeah um and so i had that opportunity to grow up and actually interact with human beings face to face is my first form of yeah. communication yeah. but now kids are going online they see all these people interacting with each other in a certain way and then they're growing up to be assholes because they think that's how people talk to each other well and it's funny people don't get punched in the mouth quite as much <laughs> as they used to so yeah. there are people you know every now and then i run i go Oh, you must talk to people online a lot. Did you just say that? And they're like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, I will knock the fucking lips off your mouth, you little shit. But it's funny. You can always tell. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's very strange that, you know, people will have 
like these odd ways of speaking to people as if they're justified in what they're saying because they could say it online. Then they meet you in real life and they think that they can still say it to you. No, you don't get to get to say what you want to people, right? Like there are going to be repercussions to what you say. And I'm not for censorship. I think that we should let people say what they want to say because that's how you spot the assholes. You sure, know? sure. If you censor them, how do we know? Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes they're right. <laughs> you know, sometimes assholes are right. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You know, it's it's a weird paradigm for me because I get slayed online and then I always, I'm like, well, you guys know where my booth's at. You can come see me face to face. For sure. Chat with me and. It is very, very rare when I get the uh, when I get a hater who will actually show up and talk to me. I, I I love it when I do because usually what happens is when the hater winds up showing up in real life, it usually just winds up being a really good conversation. Yeah, you know because that that whole like veil of I'm a tough guy that they have behind the screen it goes away and then they tell you respectfully. Th- then what's what they really thought. going on happens. Yeah, yeah. The, daddy issues. <laughs> uh, I'm not loved by mom. There's a lot of stuff that pops up. It's like, do you need a hug, brother? It sounds like you need a hug. Well, listen, thanks for taking time out of your oh, life sorry. to come see us. Yeah, it's always hard doing the handshake across the board here. <laughs> Appreciate you stopping in and chatting with us. You can find uh, you can find our guest at McDojo Life. Thanks for coming out, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. All right, have a good one. We're out.